0: Okay, so let's talk about the open source big data stack. And for this one, you'll have a bit of a deja vu because you will see that basically uh, the open source community, or let's say uh, some developers, really took the Google big data stack and translated it into open source software. So let me first give you an overview again. And here you can see the uh, Hadoop stack Or open source big data stack versus the Google stack. And you can see that we can basically find a match for all of the the open source or for all of the Google applications in open source, at least for all of the big data systems uh, parts in open source. So we have. Um, MapReduce and HBase, which reflect um, MapReduce and Bigtable, we have Yarn, which is something similar to Borg, we have the Hadoop distributed file system, which mimics the Google file system, and we have Zookeeper, and then some of the applications on the top, or let's say more advanced analytics, which reflect some of the processing that is done in Google. so let's look at this from a, from a stack point of view, or from the, from the um, yeah, implementation or, let's say, a historical point of view. And so the whole Hadoop stack is basically the core um, that's implemented a lot of the functionality. And this is an Apache top-level project. So it was initiated at the Yahoo at some point and was picked up by many companies right away. So when the Google paper on uh, MapReduce came out, Yahoo uh, went and implemented this in Java and open source. And um, it comprises several systems. So it's not just the MapReduce, but it's also the distributed file system in HDFS, which is completely modeled after the Google file system, then the MapReduce engine, uh, data processing languages like PicLatin and Hive. And we also have this key value store. And like uh, MapReduce, or like the Google stack, it runs on uh, commodity hardware on, on commodity OSs. So there's nothing special required in order to run this. And this is also nice, because this means you can also run it yourself at home. And uh, typically, it's installed in, uh, in distributions. So rather than downloading the open-source version and installing it, it's much easier uh, if you're taking a distribution like Cloudera or MapR. And there used to be also HortonWorks and several others, but HortonWorks actually last year was acquired by Cloudera. And um, so on the bottom, Again, we have the Hadoop distributed file system. So it's just like the Google file system and it uses large data. And uh, this means a minimum file or the smallest size a file can be is, uh, is one block. And typically in the general setting, this would be 64 or 128 megabytes. So this also means that you actually have to consider what you're storing there. Because if you're, if you're storing like I don't know, small text in one file on the Google, uh, on the Hadoop distributed file system. This means that you're wasting 64 megabytes of storage, essentially. It has also this primary secondary architecture, and it's really based on this Google setup. So we have a data node, which has all of the the metadata and the block mapping, so where which block is, and then we have the data node, which serves the read and write requests. And um, each block is replicated on the uh, multiple data nodes, typically. So typical setup would be a replication factor of three because then you have this fault tolerance. So if one of the nodes dies, then the data will still be there. And on the second uh, level, you actually want to distribute this in a way that not all of the, the data nodes are in the same rack because we already learned that often also individual racks die. So, then you want to have them on distributed or on multiple racks, or at least on two different racks. And this is really still in use in many setups. So, if you want to have large storage and you don't want to buy a super expensive enterprise storage system, then you're using HDFS and it will work quite well. So, in order to schedule jobs, uh, you have YARN. And this is called yet another resource negotiator. So, similar to um to Borg in a way. so it manages the cluster resources. So you have the, <clears throat> the manager node and then they have individual nodes. and on these nodes you have containers. And in each container you can basically run a single application. And uh, so the, the scheduling then then is based on the requirements, so the number of Um, of containers that you need, and is independent of the application. So This will be done by Yarn completely independently, and there's different types of schedulers. We'll learn about this. The simplest would be first in, first out, or capacity-based. So what does fit in? For the um, locking, there's also a clone, which is Zookeeper. And it's not 100% clone, not as close as the other systems, because it's more like a metadata file system. Again, it has five replicas, and it uses a well-known uh, <clears throat> protocol, which is called Paxos, and that uh, ensures that all of the data is all, always uh, properly exchanged or it's at least similar to Paxos. So, And um, it's used like Chubby for master election for, to store metadata in order to store like a, a schema or the node addresses, where to find these uh, primary nodes, for example. But unlike Chubby, it's not a lock service. So clients cannot block each other. Um, but this basically has to be dealt with on the, on the application side. For the operational uh, storage, we have HBase. So, this is the, the big table clone. And it's in yeah, like a uh, big table, it's basically a distributed map. So, it's called extensible row store um, because you store individual rows of data. So, like a record, but each record can have a different schema. And the total schema of your table in Chubby in HBase will basically be the Um, the combination of all schemas of the individual rows. And this runs on top of HDFS. HDFS handles the replication, stores the individual data in the blocks, but HBase manages how individual records are actually mapped into the blocks. So you don't necessarily need a whole block for one individual record. It's again, a primary secondary architecture. So on the primary, you have the metadata on the secondary or region server, you have the data. Then on the other hand, we have the analytical processing. Um, and like MapReduce in Google, uh, it's the same idea. Again, primary, secondary architecture, we have a job tracker that allocates um, uh, the Map and Reduce tasks. And uh, then Close and uh puts these tasks close to the data. So we have the data in HDFS. And typically, the nodes that have the HDFS also will do the processing. And so then we store or we we remove the the processing tasks close to where the data is actually located, if that's possible. And the task tracker will then, for each new job, will create a, a Java Virtual Machine and start this job and do the processing, see where we are in the job and then finalize the result at some point. And uh, the data can also be retrieved and uh, stored in HBase. And again, this is uh, open source. It was initiated at at, uh, Yahoo, and it's also Apache project. So you can actually go look what this really looks like, how this is implemented. Then on top of that, um, all of a sudden people noticed, oh, it makes sense to somehow have something simpler rather than, or not necessarily simpler, but um, something where we can quickly, more quickly write these processing jobs. So often I want to do more or less the same thing, but with slightly different parameters. And then I might not really want to deal with all the the Java programming, but rather just write it in a more declarative way. So like a SQL query. And the first way of doing this was PIC. Uh, so the PIC Latin is kind of the, or PIC is the platform uh, for using uh, the or writing these, these jobs, uh, writing the, the the queries essentially. And the PIC infrastructure then evaluates these PIC Latin programs. So PIC Latin is the language and PIC is this uh, infrastructure. And this is a client-side application. So rather than actually doing something centrally, it will really translate a query on the client side. So you're writing your PIC query and um, or pick Latin query, and then on your node it will be translated into a MapReduce job or in a series of MapReduce job. And this looks something like this. So here we have a filter example. So we're loading emails. Uh, then we want to uh, filter emails that matches something like spam. So it has text spam in there and we store it into uh, spam mails. So this is of course very simple, but also means we don't have to program. So, if we want to use MapReduce for this, we actually have to write a map job. For a filter, we don't need a reduce job, but we have to write a map job, compile this, and, and lo- somehow load it into a system. And here, if PIC is properly configured, we can just write this PIC Latin file and send it. But it's a new language, it's hard to learn. So people usually like what they already know. And something they usually already know is SQL. And so something that also came up quickly was Hive. And Hive is a data warehouse on top of Hadoop. So this is not only a client-side application, but it's really integrated in the Hadoop stack or it has some additional uh, software. And here you can do real data warehouse uh, queries that then will be mapped to um, MapReduce jobs. And these are not online queries, it's like slow running batch process jobs and uh, of course, it has some additional features rather than just using MapReduce jobs in order to be more efficient. So we can actually uh, keep all of the metadata in a Derby database. So this is a Java DB. And it has indexes. It supports indexes on the data. So if you know that your data has a certain structure and you create an index on the data, then the query can be much faster. And the syntax is SQL-like. So here, have an example, uh, from the uh, Benchmark implementation. And here you can see that this basically looks like SQL. So we have select from and where. However, we have to explicitly uh, state the joins. So you can see that there is a join uh, statement in there. And we also have map and reduce tasks in there. And here um, you can only see the map reduce part. So basically loading data and then reducing something and um, you can see that we're loading the data, um, or not loading, reloading uh, a, a reduce file or a reduce program in in the query that then will be applied in the, in the query on the data. Besides that, we also have graph processing. So, And the open source version of Pregel is called Giraffe. Thus, the biosynchronous parallel programming, also vertex-centric like um, Pregel, is implemented. in Hadoop means this runs a series of MapReduce jobs. So each of the super steps, in this case, would be a MapReduce job. The coordination is done um, in Zookeeper, and it tries to use in memory computation. So this gives you basically the, uh, the overview of uh, the big data systems, big data processing system so far. But on top of that, of course, we want to see more, or we want to do more. And uh, something else that we want to do besides like basic applications is machine learning. And for this, there's actually machine learning systems. And these are machine, basically, Uh, systems that execute machine learning applications. So this means like training um, and inference. So in the training, we want to build a model on data and then we want in the inference, we want to use this model in order to predict something. So say, um, I don't know, your shopping cart or something like that. And this comes in many forms. And this also why it's not so easy So this is not only like a pure system, but initially uh, it really started more as libraries. So something like Mahout is really a library of different kind of or it started as a library of different kind of MapReduce jobs that can do uh, machine learning tasks. So that would train say clustering algorithm or something like that. And uh, then uh, we also have parameter servers. So these are basically key value stores that store the the models and store intermediates of these models in order to do the the training and maybe also the inference in a distributed setting. Some Some of them are graph-based. Then uh, we have linear algebra systems that see all of the machine learning as linear algebra, so basically matrix computations. And then, of course, deep learning systems. And the trend really goes to end-to-end systems. And uh, they then have this complete stack as well. So we also have the hardware and software. We have the data representation. So this is usually the same as it's done in the big data system. But then we'll have different kind of execution uh, strategies, different language uh, abstractions, and then the act- actual uh, applications. And this is something that we'll also look at in the lecture towards the end, or in the, in the program, in the module. And with that, let me give you a bit of a view of the evolution, so where I think this come, goes towards from here. And that I'll actually do in the next video.